Okay, welcome to Bhagavad Gita class. This is week 48. And we're starting chapter 14. The last... Well, you're starting chapter 14. Yeah. This is the first part out of, I believe, three sections. So the last chapter was nature and joy and consciousness. And Krishna was, he's describing the difference between the different elements, including the soul and the super soul and how they, they are arranged in this world. Hey. Um, and so now, as we, as we dive into chapter 14, this is an extremely important chapter, and Krishna is actually stating this. Uh, he actually states that this is the most important chapter. How is this the most important chapter so far? Mm-hmm. Now, we've already dealt with you know, the most confidential knowledge, opulence of the absolute, um, we dove into devotional service in the 12th chapter. How, how can we understand that? Well, we're going to find out as we read this chapter. But understanding the material energy is very significant because um, we are battling against two natures. One is the modes of nature of this world and our spiritual nature. So what Krishna is doing now is he's he's showing the different aspects of reality, and now he's going to talk more about how the material energy um, has a role in our our lives, how it influences us, and ultimately how to overcome the material energy. Because to realize God, to realize Krishna, we have to be free from the influence of the modes of nature. So in this chapter, we're going to learn how they act, what they do. Um, They say you should... Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. So in, a, in this sense, maya, or the material energy, is enemies to the spirit soul trying to um, be emancipated from this material energy, trying to find um, eternal bliss and happiness. So that the enemy, en- enemy is, the, is the material energy. But as you remember in the last chapter as well, Krishna was saying, who is the cause of the various sufferings and enjoyments in this world? It's the living entity. Yeah. So we can we can see how the material energy acts, and then we can see our role in it. And then through through our own desire, our own determination, uh, we can choose where to go. So that's why this chapter is so significant. To, re- to know Krishna, to be always conscious of Krishna, we have to overcome the modes of nature. So that's why we're going to dive into what those modes are all about and how they affect us every moment of every day <laughs> as we we're spiritually realized more. Okay, so my trusty Krishna Prabhu. All right. Never hesitate. <laughs> okay. Okay, so um, yeah, I took uh, the uh, part of the purport out of, uh, out of the second verse. I've been reading a lot of uh, Sri Bhavatam, so I'm looking for three different things. You know, like the first canto, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm looking, oh, wait a minute, it's only has two. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm going, wait a minute, I read that. Okay, so um, there are spiritual activities, and the spiritual situation is called devotional life. That atmosphere is said to be uncontaminated, and there one is equal in quality with the Supreme Lord. To attain, obtain such knowledge, one must develop all the spiritual qualities. Um, so my understanding of that is devotional life, which is in the spiritual mood, is said to be uncontaminated, where one is equal in quality to God. All spiritual qualities must be developed in order to achieve such understanding and purity. Um, so my application to that is to maintain a sincere and dedicated life of loving devotion to all living entities who are parts and parcels of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Krishna. Find a spiritual master and follow his guidance um, and um, living a life of loving devotion. And uh, then, uh, of course, continue to follow his instructions faithfully. Um, and through that process, um, we begin to develop a really pure a devotional life, and then, henceforth, um, we can apply this particular quote really well. Following that process faithfully, 
uh, that's really significant because if I think about it, if you're going on a, on a journey, as long as you stay the course, you'll reach the destination. But as soon as you're not faithful anymore to that path, then you're, you're going to go somewhere else. See? But as long as you stay the, the course, if you know the course and you stay the course, and you'll reach the destination. And by associating with devotees, that they help you to right. stay faithful. They'll, yeah, they'll push you back on. Push you back on. <laughs> okay, who would like to share next? I just want to add something to that that I yeah. really liked in this line that Prabhupada says here, that one who thus develops the spiritual qualities, immediately that jumps out to me because all my life I've always been told that, you know, it's impossible to, develop, to, to fully develop these spiritual qualities. Here Prabhupada is telling us that we can develop these spiritual qualities. So there is the possibility of reaching this, this perfection that, that Krishna speaks of. And I just immediately thought that that's really encouraging and it, and it brings a lot of hope to aspiring devotees like myself. Yeah. Not only can we, but it's, it's um, self-revealing. I mean, it's, if it's there, then it can be awakened, it can be brought out. So, yeah, I mean, I, the, the main issue with materialistic religion is that it sees the body and it doesn't see the soul. It doesn't take into account the soul. And, um, you know, even though there is um, beneficial uh, development through some of these religious paths, if the intrinsic understanding of nature is that there is no purity, then how can there be motivation? Like, because, because our nature is that we want to we be very pure. We want to be good. We want to be loving. Um, actually, uh, Jaitanya Leela, she posted a quote recently, and I thought it was really significant. I don't remember who it was, but... Bhakti Chirta Swami. That's it. That either either we're, we're doing something in a loving way, or we're searching for love. Or crying oh, out for oh, love or something like that. In all circumstances, love is, um, we're doing things as, as, as an expression of love or cry out for love. Yes. So if we don't intrinsically believe that we are loving souls, then we're going to be despondent and be depressed because the soul is either engaged in loving affairs or crying out for that love. Right. I have the actual quote here. Just okay, to yeah, know that in all circumstances, someone's actions are either an expression of love or a cry for it. Yeah. That's so what, what is an example of a cry for love? So any time that we're not loving, then we're feeling some some sense of um, pain within ourselves, because our nature is to be engaged in you know sweet loving relationships. So either we're engaged in those loving relationships, or we're desperately looking for them, um, and we're, we're 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 not finding it because we haven't reconnected with the central person. Oh, that's where that saying "looking for love in all the wrong places." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is it if somebody is trying to be rude towards you, that means they lack the love? That's how their expression is bad towards that. Right. Because if we see it that way, we see that anybody who's mean or harsh or cruel, that they're just frustrated because they don't have the love in their life that they desperately need. So I think that's a nice quote to live our lives by, actually. It's also amazing, I mean, you even see it in like animals that they need to express love. You know, like people see with their pets and stuff, you know, that it's kind of like intrinsic to the soul, even if it's even if the soul is not in a human form. That's true. That's true. That's really true. My, my wife has three cats, and uh, it's interesting because, you know, by, by nature they're somewhat independent, but wherever we are in the house, the cats are around. They could be, you know, hiding anywhere, in a bedroom, in a closet, but they're hovering around because they're looking for some connection too. And food and treat. <laughs> no, they're they're looking for, you know, like yesterday I turned around there was one right by my head. Just so, 
Why is he right there? He could be somewhere else. Because we're looking for some connection, too. Yeah. And my little dog does that all the time. Uh-huh. You know, he sees he steps up and he goes like this. He stands up on his hind legs. And, he, and when he wants me to pick him up, I'll bend down and he'll, he'll turn around for me. Okay, I'm ready. He picked up my... Yeah. He does that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Shri Prabhupada actually gave that example about two cats. And he said, see, everybody has a loving propensity. Yeah. Even these little cats have a loving propensity. Okay, so... Chaitanya Leela? Yes. Huh? Who would like to share next? I'll do it. All right, so um, I chose text five per port. But I might as well read the actual text. Material nature consists of three modes, goodness, passion, and ignorance. When the eternal living entity comes into contact with nature, almighty armed Arjuna, he becomes conditioned by these modes. The living entity, because he is transcendental, has nothing to do with this material nature. Still, because he has become conditioned by the material world, he is acting under the spell of the three modes of material nature. Because living entities have different kinds of bodies in terms of the different aspects of nature, they are induced to act according to that nature. This is the cause of varieties of happiness and distress. So I highlighted two words there. Under the spell and induced. And these two words remind me of the word seduced. Um, specifically <laughs> induced. Uh, we've basically been seduced by Maya. And we're under a spell. And immediately I, I was thinking about that. And I was watching a movie last night. We went to go see a movie. Uh, this Aladdin movie that just came out. And there's a scene where Jafar, who's evil. He would he would He would... He would put the sultan under a spell with his serpent rod. So in, in, when he wanted the sultan to do something, you know, against his will, he would put him under this particular spell. So, you know, Aladdin grabs the, he grabs the rod and he smashes it on the ground. Immediately when he smashes it on the ground, you know, the sultan is, he's relieved from, from, the, from the spell. So in the same way, we need to, that, we need to smash that, that, uh, that, you know, that, that rod of Maya. Eventually, and then we can wake up, and then we can realize who we are. So, anyways, that's that's all I wanted to share. Chad, relating everything to Krishna. Yeah, that's great. Was that a birthday movie? Yeah. Birthday treat. It came out on my birthday, and it's actually one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, now, really? So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you're under a spell, and you can be said be said to be mad because you don't know what is what. And you're in a trance, so to speak. I remember reading uh, one corporate by Srila Prabhupada where he said something like that. Like, Everyone is more or less mad. <laughs> you know, I think it's probably in more than one purport. But anybody who's under the material energy is not in, in the right mind, so to speak. <laughs> Prabhupada gave the example of the bugs going towards the light. You know? Immediately, you turn the light on, and their eyes get big. You know, you see the cartoons. Go straight ahead towards the light. And it's like they can't help themselves. That light is just so attractive. It's so uh, dazzling. <laughs> so they just have to go right towards it, and then they get zapped. So, yeah, Maya, Maya is like that. It's like we, just, we, we are under a spell. A spell of the illusory energy. Uh, are you very much interested in that scene? Oh, oh. Krishna. My verse, I was reading the verse number three, um, yeah, the 314.3. It says, The total material substance called Brahman is the source of birth, and it is that Brahman that I impregnate, making possible the births of all living beings, O son of Bharata. So basically here Krishna says like uh, all this material energy is nothing but it's my energy and I impregnate them, right? So when uh, uh, this 
the in the purport when I was reading the scorpion lays egg its eggs in pile of rice and sometimes it is said that the scorpion is born out of rice but rice is not the cause of the scorpion so this one really attracts me so much because I got a rice bag from uh, uh, Costco one time and then I put it in an a tight bag the rice and then suddenly after a few months like uh, two three months the scorpion came out of that rice I was like, how could it be? I mean, I just bought a bag of rice and it's an airtight container. There is no possibility to come from outside. So that's where I think we need the gurus, like how we had um, been like, we always, for all our questions, because that question remained in my mind forever. And after I was reading the purpose, that's when I realized that's a material knowledge, but then I realized it's the same for the spiritual knowledge that any questions we have, we need to approach a guru to get our questions answered. And also based on that point, I was listening to one of the lectures and they said like, in India, we have a special room for the God, like we build a special room and then we go into the room to pray for the God. But then uh, the Maharaj was saying like, uh, you don't, I mean, yes, it's good to have a room for the God, but when material energy itself is created by the God, then we have to treat that as the whole temple. So, like, instead of just having that 30 minutes or one hour, you sit in the temple room, when you consider the whole material energy as a big, bigger temple, then the purity comes from within. So, that's a wonderful statement that I really liked it. Thank you. Haribo. Yes, if we're in the consciousness of our, our house is actually a temple of Krishna, then it doesn't become sequestered off, you know? Like in, in Western religions, they like to put God in the corner and block him off. Like, here's his space, and here's my time for him. But in Krishna consciousness, it's like, no, this is God's house, and all the time is God's time, Right? So, so it's different because that, that central theme of our life becomes that connection with Krishna. So, so we expand it to the whole material energy and consider that itself the bigger temple. Right. And that's why it's said that wherever, wherever a saintly person goes, that becomes a holy place. Mm -hmm. um, because that devotee is carrying with him the conception, uh, the, the true conception, that everything comes from God and that everything belongs to God and everything's meant for God and it should be used in his service, and I can be in a relationship with God wherever I am, right? So then wherever they go, they bring Krishna with them. Yeah. Um, so we'll, no we'll notice that. It's like Govinda Madhaprabhu, Radhasundari, Mataji, they go to a movie, but Krishna it becomes Krishnaized. You see? Yes? I just wanted to share something. Um, because I shared this with Govinda yesterday, because as we were watching the movie, it's, it's actually one of my favorite movies too. Like growing up, I was very close to Aladdin. But then when I was watching the movie, it was so exciting at one point that, um, because, you know, everything reminded me of Krishna, first of all. I mean, the genie's blue. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> but at some point, you know, like it, it got so exciting that my, head, my hairs were like standing on it and I was exciting. And, 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 and it occurred to me in my head, it was like a little voice. It was like, this is how I want to be when I think about Krishna. This is how I want to feel. Like I was so excited and so into it and I felt like, you know, all this stuff, right? And I'm like, this is how I want to feel about Krishna. Like, you know, like if a movie can do this, no, I want to feel like this all the time, but for Krishna. So it, it I don't know. I don't know how that thought came to mind, but it did. Yeah, that's a good point because sometimes we get an idea of, from external stimulus right. about the type of excitement we can have, but it's you know it's 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 the shadow reflection until if we are thinking about Krishna, right. just like some of these like the six Goswamis, they're they're sleeping under a tree every night, mm -hmm. but they're experiencing at every moment these deep feelings, these deep sentiments, this bliss and that welling up in their heart, mm -hmm. their feelings, but they don't have these external things. You know, some of them are hardly sleeping. Some of them are sleeping three hours. Sometimes they, they don't sleep at all. Mm -hmm. They're just writing about the pastimes and the rasas of Krishna. Because of that, 
they have the internal awakening of joy yeah. that doesn't it doesn't need something external. Sorry. Of course, you were remembering Krishna too, so. And, and it was really funny because you know, even though I was doing something that you know anybody could say it's like mundane, you know, I was just in the movies. It for some reason, yes, I was in the movies, but then there were so many things that would just like remind me of Krishna, like inevitably. Like, okay, oh, the genie's, oh, Krishna, you know, or, or um, they're, you know, full moon, oh, Chaitanya, you know, like anything, anything. I'm trying to, like, focus on the movie, and Krishna keep, keeps, like, like, hello, yeah, I'm like, like, and, and I loved it, I loved it, because in a way, I felt like, in a way, I felt like that little kid or something that, you know, when, when you're trying to do something and they want attention, it's like poking you or something. It, it, it was a cute moment with Krishna, so I loved it, even though I was doing something mundane. It turned it, like, Krishna conscious. <laughs> yeah, Srila Prabhupada was watching Charlie Chaplin on the airplane. He says, Krishna is so funny. Right. <laughs> so... One who sees me everywhere and sees everything in me, I am never lost, nor is he ever lost to me. So even in the movies, yeah. Krishna's not lost to you. Okay. And one other thing, um, let's see, Achyuta Priyamataji. Um, what was the first point you were making? Oh, oh, right, Krishna is, is the cause of the living entity in this world. Um, so and then you said we need a guru. Guru, because uh, like I mm -hmm. I had this question why the scorpion came from the HIV container until I went through this for for then I realized how uh, like why the scorpion came in the HIV container because of the eggs. So the same way I was thinking like we have so many questions internally that pop up why people behave like this why is like this is happening but there were no answers mm -hmm. unless we reach to the guru. Right, very nice. In the next chapter, we're going to get more into yoga of the Supreme Person and seeing the, the cause of all causes. Because, you know, the material scientists, they're just seeing the immediate cause or the cause behind that. They're seeing uh, a certain layer of causes. Um, for instance, I like this particular example. You see a, a beautiful plant coming out of the ground. So immediately what you think when you're uneducated, oh, the, the plant came from the dirt. It just came from the dirt. And then when you're a little more educated, you realize, <clears throat> no, actually, the plant is sprouted from the seed. That's where it came from. The dirt is just where it's getting its nutrition, but it actually came from the seed. Well, actually, no, that's not where it came from. Actually, where did that seed come from? It came from the fruit that fell from the tree, right, from that other tree. So where did that come from? Well, that came from uh, the fruit of a, of a different tree of seed. See, there's, there's a whole lineage of causes. So when you go back, so, so the material scientists, they can see, okay, so if something's coming uh, through the, the ozone or something's coming, uh, things are circulating around in space or, or this is forming. But they can't see past that cause. Oh, there, there's Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma is, is creating. But who's the cause of Lord Brahma? That's... Uh, Garbhadakshay Vishnu. Mm -hmm. And where is he expanding from? You see? <laughs> so yeah, it's a good point. We can't, we can't see um, spiritually at all unless we have guidance. So yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I was just curious. I keep thinking of that, that one, one verse in the Bhagavad Gita where uh, something about uh, in the material world, it's like a tree that's upside down. How, do, how does that tie in with what we're talking about? Yeah, so we're going to get into that to the next chapter. Oh, that's the next chapter. Mm -hmm. So right now, Krishna is explaining more in detail about the material nature, and then he's going to show um, more deeply about the whole sphere of that material nature and um, the process to um, detach from this energy. Yeah. Michelle? Sure. So I also appreciated verse 5. Um, I'll just quote a little bit. Again, so I said the living entity, because he is transcendental, has nothing to do with material nature. Still, he has become conditioned by the material world. He is acting under the spell of the three modes of material nature. Um, so this is my first time reading this book and getting any of this knowledge, so it's all very 
um, new and kind of exciting to me. <laughs> um, so I was able to just kind of analyze my own life and see how I have been circulating kind of among the three modes. Um, and I, I wrote, while sattva seems the most happy-making, I, I still see its limitations. Um, so I think that, that what's inspiring my search for transcendental knowledge and, and Krishna is, is, is my disillusionment, my disillusionment mm -hmm. with those three modes. Mm. Um, so my understanding of the of my material nature, my material nature. Wait. Okay. So my application is I don't yet have the transcendental knowledge, but I can apply my understanding of my material nature by being more patient with myself and others. Um, that we are simply acting under the influence of our material nature because some of us don't yet know any better. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Wow. I like that you yeah. said you're so disillusioned. Yeah. That's a nice word. Yeah. It's like when you're just, you just like, you feel like you're hitting a wall, you know? Yeah. You feel like you're hitting, there's some, there's some barrier to growth. Yes. Like, okay, I can be a really nice person, a really good person. Mm -hmm. But then, like, what's next? Right. Why, where is that deeper connection I'm looking for? So in your consciousness, because the consciousness wants to be expansive. Mm -hmm. And so then Krishna, when he, when he feels that desire in us, then he sends a guru. And, and the guru awakens us to this fourth mode, right? Mm -hmm. The spiritual energy is also a mode. It's a transcendental mode. I'm really excited to learn about that. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah, I have actually a question here. Yeah, I mean, I could not understand word 6 here, yeah, so maybe something is there in this. Like the word 6 says, Old sunless one, the mode of goodness being purer than the others is illuminating, and it frees one from all sinful reactions. Those situated in that mode became, become conditioned by a sense of happiness and knowledge. Now in the purport, the second paragraph, Prabhupada says that the difficulty here is that when a living entity is situated in the mode of goodness, he becomes conditioned to feel what he is advanced in knowledge and is better than others. In this way, he becomes conditioned. Further, he says, uh, like, uh, then he gives an example of scientist and philosopher. And then he says that as such they are attracted toward working in the mode of goodness and as long as they have an attraction for working in that way, they have to take some type of body in the modes of nature. Thus there is no likelihood of liberation or of being transferred to the spiritual world. So I mean I was thinking when we talk about these three modes, goodness, uh, passion and ignorance. So we always talk that we should be like trying to be in the mode of goodness. But in this second paragraph, it says that it will also not liberate you or it will not be like helpful to go into that spiritual world. So, how, I mean, I, I was not able to connect how it was like. So, it's good, but it's not super good. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a stepping stone. Like, it's easier to, to be Krishna consciousness if you don't take drugs, right? It's easier. It's easier to be Krishna consciousness if you don't eat meat. Because you're forming more barriers. As you go deeper into the lower modes, you're forming more barriers to take up genuine spiritual life. But in and of itself, if we stay in the mode of goodness, we're just as conditioned. If we don't take that leap from goodness to, to transcendental realization, we're just as conditioned. Because one can be conditioned in the mode of goodness for a long time. And the proof of that is in the heavenly planets. The living entities in the heavenly planets are genuine, generally, uh, in, in their goodness. But they stay there for a long time. And it's difficult to come out, oftentimes, because of that sense of security, that sense of well-being, that sense that everything is okay. So it's very, very difficult. So what Prabhupada is saying is that simply the mode of goodness itself, it's, it's a trap for the spirit soul. Especially if, you know, false pride begins to creep in. Because, like in the Bhagavatam, I stated that without awakening our, our, our Krishna consciousness, our Bhakti Yoga, even all of our, our dharmic, our good activities, are considered completely useless, which is a really heavy statement, right? Uh, in the Mahabharata, it says, unless one's developed humility and righteousness, in other words, good qualities within, all their spiritual practices are, 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 have been a waste of time. Um, so these things, these things like motive goodness is meant to lead to 
extreme goodness or, or, or pure Krishna consciousness, Sutta Sattva. So that means this mode of goodness can be like the foundation for advancing in Krishna yeah. consciousness. Yeah. 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 It's like the four, four pillars, you know, of Dharma. That those are the baseline. Like if you, if you just follow the four regular principles yeah. and that's all, then you, you won't fall in love with Krishna. That's not enough. You can't just follow the regular principles. You have to actually engage in positive, loving activities with Krishna. We have to actually reach the platform of bhakti yoga. Like how that Mataji said, the dissolution of the modes, then you will transcend to the transcendental nature of the Lord. So that mode of goodness will give you pride too, because uh, pride comes with all the beauty, education, and uh, we have a few um, wealth, fame. All these are like. Uh, are uh, kind of against towards the spiritual consciousness. So, yes, you can become transcendental with those, but it would be difficult to get there. That's what uh, Krishna is saying. Yeah. You see different class of religionists or spiritualists, they feel very proud because they have some level of morality or some, some, level, some concept of God. But then you can also see other sides of their life that are very um, violent or, or, or out of touch. Um, so until until we actually become uh, lovers of God, then we're still going to we're still influenced by the modes of nature. Until we're purely in love with God, the modes of nature are still going to have some sway in our life. So the, the the main thing is is that ultimately, motive goodness is conducive for spiritual life. But we have to also transcend the mode of goodness. Yeah. Did you want to? Did you want to share anything else? With me? Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is going to take thirty seconds, so you can go first. Okay. Okay. So just to back up that that uh, that statement that he said about how you know you you can follow the regulative principles, but then you know you're not reaching. Um, this this love for Krishna, but you can follow though, and it'll it'll kind of move you towards that. This this verse right here, <clears throat> it just reminded me of it. Oh my dear Arjun, or winner of wealth, you cannot fix your mind upon me without deviation. Then follow the regulative principles of Bhakti Yoga. In this way, develop a desire to attain you. So I just thought you know like that tied into it perfectly. <clears throat> That's good. I've first seen the law books. Very good. <laughs> I don't understand how, isn't that opposite of what you were just saying, that following the four regular principles won't give you a desire to love Krishna? No, it's, it's, it's a foundation to, to take to Krishna consciousness. Like a springboard. It's a springboard. Yeah, a springboard. Yeah. Oh, but it won't necessarily guarantee that you're going to want to surrender to Krishna. Exactly. You actually have to have that, that love infused in the heart. Yeah. And and also when we speak of the regular principles, it also means the, the positive principles of Krishna consciousness. Oh like chanting. Yeah. So so what Krishna was speaking about is he's saying follow follow the sadhana practice. Yeah. There's following the sadhana practice of bhakti yoga, then you'll you'll in time develop this, this pure love for God. Um, but if you if you just remain on the moralistic so-called moralistic platform, without ever uh, attaining a spark of love with God, then you can, you know, slip back and go back into the lower modes. So, yeah. I was just gonna say something about what you just to kind of add to what you know what Atul was saying. Devamrita Swami, you know who Devamrita Swami is? But Devamrita Swami, he's a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. Um, usually, usually in Australia, a lot of times, right? Most of the time. New Zealand. New Zealand. So anyway, this line reminded me of, of something that Devamrita Swami says a lot, where it says, this sense of advanced happiness in, in conditioned life makes them bound. This sense of advanced happiness. So Devamrita always says that there's two people in this world that are convinced they're happy. It's the fool in the material nature who is trapped within the modes, who is convinced that he's happy. And then the self-realized soul. So there's only two people, and like we fall right in between. So that kind of that that kind of ties into what Prabhupada is saying here. That if you know, it goes back to this idea of being under a spell. Like we're we're convinced we're we're happy, 
And because we're seeing some kind of positive outcome or reality due to our fruitive activities, we're associating that with happiness. So, yeah, I mean, this is the illusion that you were speaking of, that this illusion meant. So anyways, I just wanted to mention that. Thank you so much. And actually, it's perfect with what I, I had, I was going to say, because, um, you know, one of my, I, I'm pretty sure I brought it up at some point, but one of my questions was always because I, I used to be in the circle of, you know, um, following these light workers and like these people that do beautiful conferences and they're all about, and, and they're vegan and they're in, very in the mood of goodness, absolutely, like they're vegan, they're, they, they want to help people and all this stuff, but it's still the mode of goodness. It's, it doesn't like, it doesn't give you more. It doesn't tell you you're the soul. You know, it doesn't feed your soul. It feeds more like, almost like your ego. Um, but my, my question was always like, okay, well, but why, are, if, if it's so bad or whatever to be in the most why are they like so happy why are they so successful and all this stuff it, it would always like and and there's good people too like you know like they're good pious people that want to help people and all this stuff like why why can't like krishna somehow like reach out to them or something but you know i i first of all we have free will he can't just like pop and, and be like okay i'm krishna like here i am and second of all Right here, it answered my question. So, um, right here in in number six, it says, "O sinless one, the mode of goodness, being purer than the others, is illuminating, and it frees one from all sinful reactions. Those situated in that mode become conditioned by a sense of happiness and knowledge." And it's so clear to me because um, when when I, I even went to a, like a, one of their conferences and everything, and they're full of knowledge. It's true. It's so true. They're full of knowledge of how you can, you know, be in the mode of gratitude and, and have a, a, a good life and, you know, in the mode of goodness. They're very knowledgeable, very wealthy, very in all areas. And But they're bound, they're almost conditioned to be that way because they're so happy and so together that they're not thinking like, you know, like, what about God? You know, like, if you're so good and so together, there's no, like, there's no moment that you feel, like, frustrated with something or something like that that will lead you to the question of, like, what's missing? What am I missing here? You know, so it, it, it just brought it together for me. Yeah. Yeah. Here's realization. You I, think feel like, I feel like they're convinced that they're the, they're the ones doing it. Right. So they don't know what's going on behind Krishna's reciprocating. Yeah, because all they talk about is like, you have control over your life. You know, do affirmations, do that. Like, you, you know, you're doing this. You can do this. So, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I just want to say their their ideas are are like a temporary fix, because it doesn't deal with the four problems that Prabhupada always talks about: the birth, death, old age, and disease. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you if you have it all, then what what need do you have for anything else? Exactly. So I have it all. Right? So <laughs> I got health. I got wealth. I got friends, and I'm a good person. Krishna describes the the demoniac nature in that way in the, in the 16th chapter. And I give in charity, and I'm happy, and I'm wealthy, and I have wealthy associates and good associates. And what, what's the definition of sattva? It means good. They're good people, right? Good, nice people. But no, there's no spiritual consciousness there. It's, um, it can be helpful, but it's better that somebody is lower than the low in that mode of ignorance, crying out to God, they have a better chance. Somebody desperately crying for God. Just like Queen Kunti says, is unless somebody is materially impoverished or materially exhausted, one cannot cry out to Krishna with deep feeling. Materially impoverished or exhausted, like you were saying, you know, tired of, I'm tired of this whole thing going on. I want something more, something deeper, right? 
So I picked verse number five too. <clears throat> but I just, I, okay, so it says material nature consists of three modes, goodness, passion, ignorance. When the eternal living entity comes in contact with nature, Omardi armed Arjuna, he becomes conditioned by these, these modes. And I want to go back into chapter seven, verse 14. So I feel like these connect really well where they, so in chapter in 714, it says the divine energy of mind consisting of the three modes of material nature is difficult to overcome, but those who have surrendered onto me can easily cross beyond it, beyond it. So in this verse, it's saying that we come in contact with the, the nature and we, we're becoming entangled and this is, it's, it's difficult to overcome alone. And then, but it says, by way of surrender unto Krishna, we can easily cross beyond it. And so, there is this really powerful purport that I'd like to share, because it just breaks everything down really nicely. And, okay, let me just start reading it. It says, the Supreme Personality of God has, has innumerable energies, and all of these energies are divine. Although the living entities are part of this part of his energies and are therefore divine, due to contact with material energy, their original superior power is covered. Being thus covered by material energy, one cannot possibly overcome its influence. As previously stated, both the material and spiritual natures, being emanations from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, are eternal. The living entity, entities belong, belong to the eternal superior nature of the Lord, but due to the contamination by the inferior nature, matter, their illusion is also eternal. The conditioned soul is therefore called nitya badya, or eternally conditioned. No one can trace out the history of his becoming conditioned at a certain date in material history. Consequently, his release from the clutches of material nature is very difficult. And even though that material nature is an inferior energy, because material nature is ultimately conducted by the supreme will, which this living entity cannot overcome, inferior material nature is divine, defined here and as a divine nature due to a divine connection and movement by the divine will. And it says being conducted by the, this is Prabhupada, being conducted by Divine will, material nature, although inferior, acts so wonderfully in the construction and destruction of the cosmic manifestation. The Vedic, conf the Vedas confirm this as follows, and then it gives you a verse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> although Maya <laughs> illusion is false or temporary, the background of Maya is a supreme magician, and that's and it relates to the spell. The personality of Godhead, who is Mishva, Maha, Mahesh, Maheshvara, the supreme controller. Mm -hmm. Another meaning of Guna, and Guna in Sanskrit, another meaning is it's, 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 uh, um, uh, the modes, the modes of material nature is Guna. And it says another meaning is rope. It is to be understood that the conditioned soul is tightly tied by the ropes of illusion. A man bound by the hands and feet cannot free himself. He must be helped by a person who is unbound. Because the bound cannot help the bound, the rescuer must be liberated. Therefore, only Lord Krishna, or his bona fide representative, the spiritual master, can release the conditioned soul. Without such superior help, one cannot be freed from the bondage of material nature. Devotional service or Krishna consciousness can help one gain such release. Krishna, being the lord of the illusory energy, cannot order his, this insurmountable energy to release the, release the conditioned soul. He orders the release out of his own causeless mercy on the surrendered soul. And out of his parental affection for the living entity, who was originally a beloved son of the Lord, Therefore, surrendered onto the lotus feet of the Lord is the only means to get free from the clutches of the stringent, stringent material nature. The words mam, eva are also significant. Mam means onto Krishna. 
only and not Brahma or Shiva. Although Brahma and Shiva are greatly elevated and are almost on the level of Vishnu, it is not possible for such incarnations and are almost on the level of Vishnu. It is not possible for certain incarnations of Raja Guna, passion, Tamaguna, ignorance to release the conditioned soul from the clutches of Maya. In other words, both Brahma, Shiva, also f souls from the clutches of Maya. In other words, both Brahma and Shiva are are also under the influence of Maya. Only Vishnu, the master of Maya, therefore he he alone can give release to the conditioned soul. The Vedas confirm this in the phrase Tam Eva Veditva 12, or freedom is possible only by the understanding of Krishna. Even Lord Shiva affirms that, that liberation can be achieved only by the mercy of Vishnu, which is Krishna. Lord Shiva says, Go ahead. There is no doubt that Vishnu or Krishna is the deliverer or liberation for everyone. That's it's the most yeah. Mic drop. Yeah, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but they also, say, they also say that Lord Shiva is the greatest devotee of Krishna. I forgot which book that's in, but that's that I've heard many times. So, how could he be under any mode? Even if he's in charge of, say, the mode of ignorance, he's like administers the mode of ignorance. How could he be subject, uh, influenced by that if he's the greatest devotee of Krishna? So Lord Shiva is actually the master of the modes. Um, his his concert Parvati is is actually the uh, the Shakti of this world, um, Durga Devi. Also, so he's actually never contaminated. It's not that he's contaminated by the modes, but on the contrary, he controls the modes. So Lord Shiva, when when we say that he mixes with the material energy, it doesn't mean he's influenced by the material energy. It means that he deals within the material energy. Okay, because the sentence that Ramanaji read, mm -hmm. it to me sounded like Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva are both influenced by the modes of nature. Lord, Lord Shiva is a different category. Prabhupada explains yeah. that elsewhere exactly how he how he deals. But the difference between Vishnu and Shiva is that when Vishnu comes, uh, he he deals in, in a completely transcendental arena. He, he brings his associates from the spiritual world and he, he performs his lila. Lord Shiva actually engages within the modes. Does that make So he, he's giving benedictions within the modes. If you want to get a, a, a material benediction, you don't go to Lord Vishnu. Lord Vishnu will purify your material desires. <laughs> yeah, he'll purify the heart. Of, that's why generally you'll see the persons that, that want a lot of wealth, they'll go to uh, Ganeshji or they'll go to Lord Shiva. Or they'll go to Lord Brahma. They'll go to the, the devas, because Lord, Lord Vishnu he doesn't deal within the modes. Yeah. He 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 gives that he gives that delegates over to that. delegates that. Yeah. yeah. So no, he's never Lord Shiva is never contaminated by the modes. Yeah. Can you touch? No. Can you personally touch on that that one pastime where Shiva fell under mm. Maya? Yeah. Just briefly, as to prove the point that. Yeah, obviously he's above Tamas, as, as, as we know, yeah. but also that particular pastime where Krishna is disguised as a beautiful female. Right. So, uh, Mohini Murti. Yes. Um, but that was a transcendental pastime. Okay. Because that was Lord Shiva dealing directly with Lord Vishnu. Okay. So that was not a material. Okay. <laughs> he wasn't influenced by the Lord's Maya. Okay. It was a pastime. All right, yeah. all right. But he was, he was setting an example about how powerful Maya is. Right. That's the point, is that Krishna's illusory energy also comes from Krishna. Yeah, like the Nara Muni pastime, too. Go yeah. give me a cup of water. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So these are, these are transcendental pastimes to teach us um, powerful lessons about how Krishna can, can bewilder anyone. Yeah. Krishna is also the lord of, of, of Shiva because he's a source of Lord Shiva. Yeah. But Shiva is a special living entity. He's not, he's not ever contaminated by the modes of nature. So everybody, anybody else want to share? Okay. All right, I'm going to read from uh, Mari Mohini Mataji from Sedona. She chose chapter 14, text 10. 
Therefore, one who is actually intent on advancing in Krishna consciousness has to, chan- has to transcend these three modes. Which Chaitanya Leela Mataji was just reading. It's almost impossible. It is impossible to transcend. So how do we do that? Understanding. The best way to transcend these is to be blessed by being placed in the state of goodness and then transcend the mode of goodness and reach the state of pure goodness by which one can understand the science of God. Very nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Application. I will strive to be in the mode of goodness so I can reach pure goodness and understand the science of God. The mode of goodness is characterized by knowledge and happiness. So, again, don't, please don't get us wrong. The mode of goodness is conducive for our spiritual life. We don't want to take that to think, I want to go start doing, you know, smoking pot or like, whatever. Um, it's conducive. So Murai Mohini is, you know, saying that, you know, if I'm blessed with the mode of goodness, that will help me be in transcendental consciousness, which is a very nice realization. Um, that's why we try to create a sattvic atmosphere. That's why we have um, cleanliness, because cleanliness allows our mind to be peaceful. When our mind's peaceful, we can think of God, right? Yeah. A quick statement about that is that what in the mode of goodness means that we must be the most diligent of all the modes, because of that reason that it is, can be deceptive. Mm-hmm. So we have to just be very aware yeah. not to fall into its, its alluring nature, yeah. you know, to, to get us off track. And we were recently hearing about Jayananda Prabhu, and there was one pastime where, where he was falling asleep in one of the classes, and some devotee was trying to wake him up. I said, no, let him sleep. I said, Jayananda has been working tirelessly for days. You see? So, Bhakti Yoga transcends the three modes of nature. And uh, yeah, you're totally, you're totally right. Um, when we have to serve Guru and Krishna, sometimes it can take the shape of what can look like passion, or it can look, it can look like anger. It's like in the case of Jayananda, who was falling asleep in class, right? His Guru is giving class. You never fall asleep in class. Especially when your Guru Dave is giving class. <laughs> So he's falling asleep. He said, no, let him sleep. Let him. Because he's been working tirelessly for Prabhupada's mission, doing what none of the other devotees want to do. Right, working on the cars, taking the trash, doing, going his taxi driving. The rocket cars, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was his main thing off here. Yeah. So, are you afraid of me? Is that why you moved away? <laughs> oh, you're getting the. You're getting the. <laughs> I saw that you said the word anger. Good move. Very good move. <laughs> so this is from 1410. I'd like to share if I could briefly. But if one wants, this is Sri the Prabhupada part of the purport. But if one wants, he can develop by practice the mode of goodness and thus defeat the modes of ignorance and passion. One can similarly develop the mode of passion and defeat goodness and ignorance. Or one can develop the mode of ignorance and defeat goodness and passion. Although there are these three modes of material nature, if one is determined, he can be blessed by the mode of goodness. And by transcending the mode of goodness, he can be situated in pure goodness, which is called the Vasudev state, a state in which one can understand the science of God. By the manifestation of particular activities, it can be understood in what mode of nature one is situated. So understanding. The modes of material nature are extremely strong and forcefully bind the living entity in this world. Srila Prabhupada gives a hint of the secret to overcome these modes, and it is solely based on one's determination. Ultimately, goodness, passion, and ignorance, or the transcendental mode, are all facilitated by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. Therefore, the one that reigns supreme is not by chance binding us. There are no cosmic or microcosmic accidents in God's creation. The Lord acknowledges our desires, expressed through our determination to pursue a certain goal of enjoyment. He thus allows one of his modal energies to carry us along the path of perceived bliss in that direction. We thus carry our different conceptions of life from one body to another, as the wind carries scent hither and thither. That's what um, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. Pure goodness is facilitated by determination to know and love God. 
When Krishna realizes the strength of our desire in this connection, Durga Devi will release her grip by the instruction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Durga means prison or do not go. Dur means don't and ga means go. So literally, Durga is the material prison that we cannot be released from. It is impenetrable, inescapable material encasement. We have no prayer on our own material strength to be emancipated. By our strongly determined devotional life, calling out to the Lord with fervent desire, Krishna will pave the way for us to be swept up by the internal potency. Thus the transcendental current will reign supreme. So we want the transcendental mode to, to overcome the other modes, right? Because Krishna is talking about how the modes are, are fighting for supremacy, right? Sometimes we feel like, oh, I just want to lay around and not do anything. Sometimes we feel like, okay, now I want to make lots of money. And other times we feel like, I want to have a nice cup of tea and hear the birds chirping, right? So sometimes the modes are fighting for supremacy, but we want the supreme transcendental mode to reign supreme. So this is um, the um, personal um, application. As Govinda Madhaprabhu and I begin our careers in real estate, I would like to take this as an opportunity to make a sankapa for myself and our business partnership from my end. The purpose of this endeavor is to dovetail profits of helping people buy and sell homes into the service of the Lord. This may take the shape of taking care of some basic needs, traveling for preaching, traveling to visit the Holy Dham, serving our immediate family members, serving the devotees in the Iskand Tucson community. I pray to Krishna that the motive passion does not grab hold to eclipse the purpose of this endeavor. I pray that Krishna accepts this endeavor as an offering at his lotus feet. So the idea why we're getting doing this is because we need a little bit extra funds just to take care of our families and, and some of these things mentioned um, while staying fully engaged here. And that's a part-time endeavor to assist us. So that, that determination, that Sankalpa, you can actually make an intention and determination when you're going to do some endeavor in life. And that can help you remember if you get off track and go back. Why was I doing this to begin with, right? Why did I start this? Why did I get in this relationship? Why am I doing this job, right? We can go back, what was the original purpose? So we can realign to that purpose, right? Why am I not feeling happy? So I, I missed, I'm off track. Mm -hmm. I got to get back to the purpose of why it is supposed to be a loving offering to Krishna. So... Are there any last points or questions before we get ready for Harinam? Yeah. Oh, you just um, you know, I, I work for a, a light worker, you know, so um, that would, worker? yeah, that would be. Like a, a bringer of a light? I don't know, they call themselves the light workers. Um, <laughs> um, but it reminded me of one of the sayings that she always says. She, she says, like, alignment is my new hustle. <laughs> so, so it reminded me. Yeah, and, and that's what she means by that. You know, like, going back to the reason, like, why did I do this? Going back to the why. So it just reminded yeah, me of that. Alignment is the new hustle. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like the original one. <laughs> so who is coming out hiring them with us? All right, you're back. You too. All right, this is gonna be I think we're gonna walk this time because last time was a little slow. What do you think? I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay either like way. We can do. We can take a vote. Yeah. Like sure. What do you think? Uh, All right. How many? How many people? I, I, gave, I actually gave out six um, books. No, I gave. I gave out two books and six. Um, Magazine. Magazine. So, how many people would like to do a sit down right now? Okay. I'm flexible. Okay. I'm flexible too. How many would you like to do a walking hard? Like like nope. Even though we're not into Buddhism, I would think we should take the middle path. Do a walking hard now, but not four or five miles like we did three weeks ago.
Well, I didn't get any. I didn't. I only got one hand for the walking harina. I mean, I don't mind doing. I don't mind doing a sit down. If the majority says to sit down, yeah, we will sit down. I don't mind doing a sit down if it means it's better for everyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of want to run. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> you want to run? Running walk. Walk. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, one, one for a running hurry now. Let's do a jogging here. It's hard to sing while you run. Do you want to do the? Um, do you want to do the party bike? You can do the party bike hurry now. Oh man. <laughs> you know, maybe we should invest in one of those party bikes. Drink Charan and Rita. Yeah. There you go. Let's do one more vote. How many would you like to do a sit down, Harry now? Sit down, Harry now. Sit down, sit down. I don't mind. I don't mind. I want to I'll do sit down. Let's do a sit down then. Okay. Okay. We can maybe look for a different place. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe we, we should be by the yoga studio. We did that one time. Did they ever do on 4th Avenue? We haven't done a sit down on 4th. No, maybe there's nowhere to sit there. <laughs> yeah. Is there a little park in the there? The co op is always a good spot. Yeah, we so could, I don't know if we could ask them. Well, and for their street merchants get really funny about that oh, sort of yeah, thing yeah. down there. Yeah, they got really weird. moving down there. We could try it in front of the yoga studio again. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm all, I'm open. We can just read the original spot and then we can decide what to do. Okay. By the by the Rodstadt station. Sounds good. Okay. So we gotta grab some instruments. <laughs>